always just, you know, kind of, you know, get a lot of frags from carrying bags of stuff and smashing buttons everywhere. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. All right. So, All right. But Did hey, you get your manicure today? No, no, not yet. It's a little bit later, man. I, I read this amazing article um, that I shared on my Twitter feed this morning about Gen Z and how they communicate. And, you know, in an us, you know, and, and so to them, it, it's, it's in the Washington Post today. But it was really cute because, you know, when you say good job with a period to a Gen Zer, they're all looking at it going because they think that period means like sarcasm or like duh or something really? like that. that you're, you're insulting them, basically. <laughs> what do you think? Good job with a period. You say oh. good job without a period, it's okay. They don't oh. use punctuation. And they use a lot of exclamation points, and it's a good thing. It's not like frowned upon like in our world. We're like, oh, my God, more exclamation like points. Punctuation. Yeah, Grammar. yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That's the one they use. And um, But a fascinating article, and I just thought it was thinking about all the workforce dilemmas now with everybody who grew up writing letters, ah. you know, formal letters, which is with everyone who grew up texting. And that cutoff, surprisingly, is at around 25 to 30 years old. It's in that range. So I thought it was pretty interesting. I thought they were younger. But other than that, you know, I mean, just watching, uh, you know, just various train wrecks going on all over the place. Hmm? I don't subscribe to the Washington Post. I I am a subscriber to the other communist rag, uh, the New York York Times. Times? Yeah, I do both. It's Yeah, I'm just a firm believer in... If you're putting out a lot of content like that and, you know, you have editorial review boards, you know, you don't have as many fact checking mistakes. Sure. You blunder sometimes in huge ways, you know, where some eager beaver fakes all the stuff and then the article wins the Pulitzer Prize or something and then realize it was all a bunch of bullshit. But um, but for the most part, at least you're getting in my mind, um, the content is somewhat uh, verif- somewhat verifiable, you know, 90 to 95% accuracy is yeah. for me. Um, so if you don't have time, it's a great place to start. And, but they are both, particularly the Washington Post, I noticed, has started seeping into those clickbait headlines. And yeah. I just hate that shit, man. I never, I never expected that from the Washington Post, but that's just, you know, Amazon basically. So, well, um, I mean, I it's, it. it's also got to, you know, look, you got to, uh, at the end of the day, they need the revenue. So, you know, you yeah, and you got to give you got to give the people what they want. Can't you, you know? Can't, they're not going to come your stuff. Just not paying enough yet. So you know, that's uh, that's. Uh, what are you up to now in salary? What are you up to in salary now with them? Oh, uh, I I don't. I, I'm not permitted to disclose. They'll knock me off if I. Oh yeah, that's an NTK. NTK. Yeah, yeah, yeah. NTK. That's all you got to say is NTK. All right. Uh, speaking of kids and the deep state. Uh, the, there was news yesterday that um, is going to have a massive impact on the world, um, uh, probably bigger than the internal combustion engine. Um, scientists funded by the U.S. government, or as conservatives like to say, the deep state, uh, have um, a massive breakthrough on fusion energy. And that is um, they had a positive gain for the first time ever on fusion beat the Chinese to the punch who were getting closer supposedly to break even. Uh, thank you, Chuck uh, Shotten for pointing that out to me in a discussion we had. This is gigantic news, dude, between 
fusion energy and AI and robotics, the entire world is going to uh, have a dramatic shift. I mean, my, our kids, the world our kids will be living in is, is astounding. When you think about no climate impact, abundant, cheap slash free energy, I mean, this, this dynamic, when it finally is usable on a, on a regular daily basis, um, shifts the entire world dynamic. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't count on it being free, but I agree. Because if you have something that's carbon neutral or, or deficit generating, you know, the fusion reaction, if contained, is theoretically able to generate unlimited amounts of energy. Um, we're very close to that um, without, um, you know, risk of a fission reaction, <laughs> yeah. which is, you know, kind of the, the bad nuclear stuff. So to me, I think, you know, look, this is for all the climate folks speaking of Gen Zers. You have to include nuclear energy in whatever your environmental cleanup plan is for fossil mm -hmm. fuels. It just has to be part of that. I know everybody goes, oh, the waste and this and that. But the amount of waste that, you know, eventually that will be fixed. But the amount of waste that's actually stored, you know, and like those salt caverns what, 40 miles or miles below the surface um, is diminuous compared to the benefits you get from it. Yeah. Um, and, you know, my feeling is in a hundred, within a hundred years, everybody will know how to clean up any of the fission stuff, but fusion, I don't think it has any output no. of radioactive no, uh, leftover stuff. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing. Well, there's going to be a press conference on this tomorrow, but um, this financial times piece is really good and does a really great description of how it all functions and, um, nice. it is, look, this is, to me, this is gigantic, gigantic news, like massive. This is like the Holy grail of energy. And yeah. uh, um, when, when you have something like this, then the geopolitical dynamic changes, the just basic existence of human beings changes dramatically. So, well, you know, think about what happens to all the petrol states. Yeah. I exactly. mean, you know, I'm always, well, I'm always talking occasionally about Mideast politics and, you know, the governments that are there. Um, and I always bring the point to any of my friends from those places is what happens when nobody wants the oil or gas anymore? Exactly. Well, exactly. that day's coming. I mean, we're not talking that peak oil nonsense or anything like that. I'm just saying that a better technology comes along and your fossil fuel masters are going to switch. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So. Well, and here's the thing, like, you know, there's obviously a long adoption curve to this, but mm -hmm. if you think about it, that adoption is probably going to accelerate dramatically when you consider the lower cost, the lower impact, the abundance of it. Um, my, my feeling is, is it'll be a, a, a rapid um, adjustment in terms of power plants and vehicles and everything else uh, being able to, to utilize this. So we'll see what happens. But to me, this is. Well, yeah, it's very optimistic. It's good to see these kinds of breakthroughs. It reminds yeah. me a lot of the life sciences breakthroughs 20 years ago, you know, the human genome project. I mean, this is big time big. in the sense that if you could ever, if this, I mean, I haven't read the article, so I'm presuming it's talking about this, but I know with like the pebble um, reactors, the, the small fission ones, um, that, you know, a lot of people envision these little mini reactors going into giant office buildings and office complexes and things like that. College you know, when campuses. you're swapping, yeah, that's fission though. When, when you're swapping that out, it's like pulling out a friggin' battery pack yeah. out of a, you know, and swapping those out. And it's, Easily modular, easily contained. It's not like big barrels 
the problem with most fission <laughs> reactors is that to clean the cooling rods, which is the uranium or that essentially boils the water that creates the steam that then drives the turbines that creates the energy, that water gets contaminated. So in these fission ones, you know, that's the problem. It's like, what do you do with all this? I mean, we're talking tons of liquid radioactive waste barrel. Yeah. I mean, millions of barrels probably. And, you know, it's tough to get rid of. Well, the pebble ones now, it's just a little battery pack size thing. And in fusion, there's nothing. Yep. So, you know, you have to accept that this, this is the way of the future. Absolutely. No, I totally agree with you. It's, um, it, it, again, the, the world is changing at an incredibly accelerated pace. And well, great. and one, one more point is that, you know, when you look at what's going on with technology, let's say vis-a-vis -vis the um, West and China or U.S. and China, um, you know, you clearly see that in a couple of fields, uh, you know, the U.S. is not giving it up, the lead. Yeah. And one is chips. This is another one. And then to me, um, the AI pieces, particularly the quantum stuff, around um, uh, the new stuff between relativity and quantum, the gravitational um, forces stuff that people are working on now, that's what we're never, we won't give that up. So as long as we keep staying ahead, the West, um, then, you know, we always have the technology edge yeah. against any potential. And then, you know, people have to just conform to basic European, you know, parliamentary democracy. So you're not going to get access to this stuff. Um, I, I applaud it. Niblet says, I'm still bullish on oil and gas investments as oil and gas is the only practical way to bridge the time gap needed to roll out nuclear more fully. Yeah, look, I think uh, we've got a long time before fusion ever gets to everybody. And obviously, um, we're starting to see a turnaround, at least in the United States, on uh, nuclear, which is exciting. But yeah, you're right. In, in between, oil and gas is oil and gas, and mm -hmm. it runs the world, so it's critical it's already there it's already there so you know it's transitioning to the next thing you know whatever that is i mean I, there's a guy that i've seen on twitter a few times he's a big saudi oil guy and you know a lot of the way he frames stuff up is kind of annoying but he's super smart on um you know everything from the sprs and pricing and different sectors and things and he's always you know these guys i mean you know they have an agenda and they're always going after the you know poor um What's that girl, Greta Thurn Thurnberg or whatever, the yeah. Scandinavian? And for some reason, they just can't stand her. And um, and I'm like, God, that's just so weak, guys. <laughs> so it's like she's 20 or something. But the point is that he does have good information. He advocates for this. He says, look, just like with coal, you know, Europe's firing up coal plants again, I guess, to, um, and nuke plants and stuff to meet this, you know, this term. There's a transition time with them. Right. And, you know, coal, coal, oil and gas. So, yeah, I mean, it's still got plenty of runway in those sectors. And I think you're right, Niblets, that, you know, getting its own energy sort of uh, uh, ETF right now is probably a good move um, as a hedge if you're not philosophically against it. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, it's going to run for a while. It's the cheapest one until all this other stuff gets going. Yeah, look, it's not going away. That's for sure. Not anytime mm -hmm. soon. Um, all right. Let's get into some DeFi news, Joe. Lots to go on. You sent over uh, this Reuters piece this morning was a little disturbing. Uh, exclusive, the U.S. Justice Department is split over charging Binance as crypto world falters. Um, 
and it, this isn't just charging Binance. Um, this is they're, they're debating whether to charge CZ and other executives and the company, uh, primarily related to money laundering. Uh, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, excuse me, I got a dog uh, losing his mind back here. Um, uh, and so, I'm gathering that the that the um, the regulatory infractions are related to not properly screening for money laundering, uh, not um, not that they were actually intentionally laundering money. But I I did see some mention in there about you know North Korea and Iran and some sanctions evasion stuff, but I think it, you're right. It ties to the fact they weren't KYCing anyone. Right. Um, and so this investigation has evidently been going on for four years, um, which I had always heard chatter about this in the halls of um, power, let's say, and that well, this is actually law firms. So it's like okay, okay, deep, deeper state. You know, like, has all those deep state connections. I just wanted to make but, sure. But no, no, I mean it's not like anybody's telling me anything, or I have any, you know inside scoop you just get sort of read the tea leaves and you know there's been a lot of talk about this going on for years and i think now they're just trying to decide what to do and they don't want to tank the market uh, is part of it and you know again you know i think it all i tweeted on this a little bit this morning but i said look just get your deal done i mean you know me i always tell everybody to do the deal you know it's like if you're CZ, do the deal now. Now's the time well, to do the deal. That, here's the thing. Like, I, I got to believe CZ's like, just fucking tell me how much. You know what I mean? I think so too. Yeah. But uh, who? here's my question. Like, who's floating this shit, right? Somebody's putting this article out and what's, the, you know, putting out this story and what's their motivation for it, right? What who? What's the incentive for whomever's putting it out? Is it Binance disc? closing it because they want to push the justice department for a deal and, or to get something done faster because they don't want them digging anymore. Or is it the justice department doing it to put pressure on Binance and CZ to come to the table and settle um, and create some fear? I, I don't know. I don't have any clue, but um, it says the charges are under investigation are unlicensed money transmission. So they didn't have money transmittal licenses in the United States. That's probably really easy. Yeah. To prove. Money yeah. laundering conspiracy, which uh, that would require, I would assume with the term conspiracy that they were engaged and involved with actual money laundering, which to me, um, if they have evidence of that, I'm, I'm a little shocked that they haven't just pursued it. And then criminal sanctions violations, which is um, allowing the transfer of funds to um, people who have been sanctioned on the bad, bad behavior list. Um, but, you know, the four people they interviewed said those are the charges, said no final charging decisions have been made, though prosecutors consider Zhao and some other executives to be subjects of the investigation. One source familiar with the situation said... Ultimately, the Justice Department would bring indictments against finance and could bring indictments against finance and executives, negotiate a settlement, or close the case without taking any action at all. Little has been revealed about the case. Reuters reportedly previously in 2020 prosecutors requested extensive internal records from Binance about its anti-money laundering checks, along with communications involving Zhao and other executives. Um Says the new reporting shows that the case has shadow Binance for most of its five years in existence, shaping Zhao's management of the company while he drove its explosive growth around the world. 
blah, 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 blah. Strict secrecy rules on employees telling them to use email as little as possible to communicate using encrypted messaging services, according to company messages that Reuters has previously reported. Um, says that they kept weak anti-money laundering controls, processed over $10 billion in payments for criminals and companies seeking to evade U.S. sanctions and plotted to evade regulators in the United States and elsewhere. Uh, Binance has disputed the articles. I've seen him uh, go off on how shitty uh, Reuters was to interact with on this and misquoting, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, mm -hmm. the bottom yeah. line is um, if indictments come down without a deal already in place um, and it includes CZ, um, it's going to have a massive impact on the market, uh, at least on BNB uh, as a token. Uh, Nibla says, why can't CZ just pay whatever fines and move on just like the HSBS keeps doing does. Right. And, and that's really the point, right? Um, you can have a bank violate all of these laws and they have repeatedly over and over and over again. And it's always just a fine. The guys who are doing it, they're not indicted. It's just, Hey, come pay this fine, which uh, is a minuscule percentage of everything you've made. Um, and we'll walk away. But when it comes to a crypto, uh, a crypto, uh, Niblet's uh, clarified HSBC. When yeah. it comes to a crypto entity, uh, not so much. So anyway, yeah, we'll see. I what mean, happens. you know, what worries me a little bit is that tornado cash story, in the sense that you know, I mean, what worries me for CZ and Binance, and you know how they went in and just tore that protocol apart and went after the developer and supposedly yeah. have the input and output of both sides of that. And if they're talking about North Korean and Iranian sanctions evasion, you know, I'm wondering if that was going through Tornado and, you know, and they have the, you know, they have the whole thing. Um, and I think what he's worried about, if I'm CZ, I'm super worried about um, jail time at that yeah. point. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, um, that's where he has to be super careful here. Yeah. I mean, come on, you know, I, <laughs> I mean, they're going to, you know, you get stuff like that, that sort of um, gets fast-tracked in any kind of judicial proceedings. Absolutely. Uh, but, but I, you know, look, I think you could have done this, settled this three years ago, two years ago, um, you know, and, and how everybody got, I mean, I, I guess he's in trouble also for supposedly encouraging everybody to use, you know, uh, messaging apps, you know, Telegram, Signal, yeah. WhatsApp. And with and, to lead on. Yeah, and, and I'm not emailing. Now, I mean, does that demonstrate intent to evade or intent to obstruct? I don't know. Well, um, yeah, I mean, it would have to I think the communications about it would have to be in the in the context of, hey, this topic needs to come off email so we don't have any trace of it, right? I mean, that would be a, I think that's a hard thing to prove. But maybe I that's too. a conspiracy charge. But I think that look. I also think that's just good basic safety tradecraft, you know, yeah. um, at the corporate level. Um, but I guess if you're a public company, you know, obviously that's not, you know, then you're overseen and regulated. But private yeah. companies, I don't, I don't know. I don't. I think you can do whatever you want. You don't have to preserve communications for anybody. No. If you're a private company. Exactly. If you're not like formally, you know, un under investigation at the time of the communications. Yeah. So, and you have to be doing something underlying that's um, illegal. 
um, in the sense. And I think they're going to try to connect the North Korea, Iran stuff to that. Yeah. Um, whereas like if you went to a regular private company, if they're just doing whatever furniture and nobody cares, but if they're like dealing drugs and funneling money through that business, yeah, then everybody's going to be all over that. And they're going to get you on you know, wire fraud and exactly. you know all the financial stuff. So I think the key is CZ has to stay out of that criminal side and just settle on the unregulated financial stuff. Just take the yeah. fine, man. Just fucking yeah. take the fine. Um, so I'm pretty convinced the founder of DeFi Llama is basically uh, an AI uh, because I don't know what the how the fuck this guy keeps this up. He took... Um, he forked MetaMask and removed all the privacy infringing shit. Evidently, it wasn't a ton of code, but um, I think he was, I heard eight lines. Eight lines, so you could yeah, verify it really yeah, easy. Yeah, yeah, but he, you know, I love this action. Right, take take the largest meta, the largest wallet in existence, fork it, get rid of the privacy invasive shit, um, and get rid of the default uh, RPC being in Fura, and um, look what you got. You know, and frankly, I think it's probably going to end up being a DeFi Llama product at some point because it makes sense for everything that they're building. They're building out nodes, infrastructure. They're building out tools. They're building. Look, it's only a matter of time before they work to to try to become an interface in some way. And it makes sense for them to you know throw this out there, let people see it, let people use it, and then you know rebrand it because it's freaking open source. So, yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. That was. What I wanted to ask you about was um, what again are you are your favorite wallets? You know, when we look at something, uh, that's, Rabby. Uh, Rabby? Rabby and I, I still use MetaMask on occasion for uh, testnet stuff and that kind of thing. But I use Robbie because the the user experience is superior to any wallet that I've ever tried. Um, has the integration with the bank, so you see all your balances. Everything's there. All the functionality is awesome. Um, it, it's, they keep up to date, adding new chains all the time. Um, it, it's just, for me, it's a far superior user experience for managing my crypto. I just absolutely love it. Absolutely love it. So, yeah. Okay, cool. That's what I was curious about because, you know, I don't worry too much about the, you know, I'm not doing anything wrong, so I don't worry about it. But the point is that I know that it doesn't just broadcast it, the wallet address, I guess, that you're coming from, it now groups all your accounts together. Associated ones, yeah. Yeah. So, like, I have multiple accounts, you know, that for different projects or different, you know, risk levels or NFTs or whatever. But now it automatically puts all those together. And if you're broadcasting your IP address, then it links all of those together with your IP address. Yeah. So, you know, that's the, you know, again, um, VPN. Um, you know, you just don't want it all tied together. Not for the regulatory folk. I'm not, I don't care about them. I mean, the ones I'm worried about, again, it's the AI big tech algorithms. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm, you know, preparing against, I guess is the way to put it. Yeah. You know, gov is gov. You know, everybody's got to deal with their government. Exactly. Exactly. Um, on another note, I thought this was pretty cool. Um, I'm going to just, Oh, no, that's not going to work. Uh, this is, I just thought this was a cool thing to just quickly look at. This is a new Bitcoin based, uh, point of sale terminal in, mm. um, New Zealand. But the cool thing about it is, um, can everybody see that? Let me enlarge that a little bit. 
Um, the cool thing about it is that that there is a uh, NFC card associated with it, Bitcoin branded, that approves transactions. So it's just a point of sale terminal, which is what retailers use to do transactions, uh, allows you to put in the amount. Um, and instead of scanning the barcode, you just take your Bitcoin NFC card and tap it like you would a credit card at the top. And it approves hmm. the transaction and boom, it's in and out of your wallet and you're done. So this is really cool. And, you know, we talked in the past about um, it's lightning. Um, and we talked in the past about, um, you know, payments actually needing to be made easier and done better. This is a much easier process um, if you've got the card. And of course, you can scan the barcode. There's point of sale systems with the barcode. But the fact that there's this NFC card that you can just tap and boom, your transaction goes through is really cool to me. Yeah. No, I mean, talk about easy use. I yeah, mean, it's absolutely. just like walking to a Starbucks. You just bang, you know, the chip card on there and you're gone or you bang exactly. your phone and you're gone. I mean, yeah, it's this beautiful. is cool. James says, uh, um, unfortunately, I haven't found anything better than MetaMask for switching networks and RPCs. We'd love to find something else with uh, MetaMask's level of customization. Well, now you don't have to give up uh, MetaMask's level of customization that you like and, uh, nor your privacy. So oh. I'll pu I'm putting the link in the show notes so you can uh, go get that or you can just search on, uh, uh, go to 0XNGMI uh, at Twitter. And um, he's, it's one of his most recent uh, threads. So anyway, uh, I love this. I think this is brilliant. I'd like to see more of this kind of shit that makes it easy for retailers to take money and customers to spend it directly as crypto. Um, when we see these integrated with credit card processing terminals is when this shit's really going to blow up, you know, because yeah. that means we've gotten to the level of adoption where the processors want to do this level of integration. So it's great. Well, and also you, you can then piggyback the most massive kind of distribution system into stores. Maybe, I don't know, maybe Facebook might be bigger internationally. I don't know, but, but uh, you know, you're going to get a big chunk of, of use case there. Absolutely. Um, with Visa, MasterCard, American Express, that kind of shit. This is game changing. Yep. Um, in the if you guys are Beanstalk holders, um, uh, my uh, buddy uh, Sink has been fighting really hard to um, get uh, Hats Finance, who I just interviewed by the way. Their their episode's coming out this week. Um, to get Hats Finance folks, the bug bounty folks, uh, to try to uh, scrape back some of the uh, exploit money that was lost. And they've had some success in the past on some other projects. Um, if you are, in fact, a, a, a holder, you should go, um, in my opinion, uh, do your own research. But in my opinion, this uh, this deserves a, uh, a yes vote. So um, I, um, I would love to see uh, this pass. There's nothing to lose. It doesn't cost the project anything unless they recover something. And um, I, I think it's really good for Beanstalk to at least uh, be pursuing this and trying to get the funds back. So uh, can, you, can you remind us or me what exactly happened back in April? So uh, their governance uh, system was exploited. Um, the person was able to, there was a weakness in the code for the DAO yep. and it was on-chain governance. And so they were able to do a flash loan, have enough funds to put a governance uh, proposal up, had enough funds to pass the governance proposal with what they had and uh, did all that and then drained uh, to, dr and the proposal was basically to drain everything out. Um, and so, so they hijacked it then 
yeah, packed it basically exactly. or took the money. So how much was like sixty million, right? Sixty? Uh seventy-two, I believe. Okay. Well I, see I, what I but I love that they didn't run away and go hide in Serbia or something yeah, like exactly. that. You know. Um, like somebody else we know, um, or we don't know him personally, but yeah, I mean, yeah. well, look, they not only didn't, they doxed themselves, uh, yeah. to, make, to assure the community that they were, they didn't, they were not the ones that stole the funds. So, um, yeah, so I think that's, you know, I just give them stuff. I mean, I don't really, you know, I know you know them a lot better than I do and some others in our community do too, but you know, I just love that behavior. Yeah. I love it when you own up to the mistake and try to make it right. Well, you put your um, so, ass on the line, you know. Uh, it's uh, it's pretty amazing, pretty amazing. Yeah, other than just saying, "Oh, fuck it, it didn't work. Let's start another one." Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, here's our uh, new yeah, telegram. Like, yeah. uh, Doe Kwan. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I decided the other day. I um, I was noticing. I noticed a couple of things happening on Gnosis, and so I decided to go take a look at it. And I looked at uh, DeFi Llama, and the largest. You're, I think you're going to find this interesting, Joe. Um, the largest TVL on DeFi Llama is a project called RealT, R-E-A-L-T, uh, Realty.co. And this is fractionalized real estate investing, investing in um, uh, consumer uh, rental properties, uh, primarily in Michigan. But it's the real deal. They're already doing deals. They have a built-in basic uh, guarantee of a percent gain on rent. Uh, from rent, and then you get the future valuation increase uh, in the property itself. Now, I will tell you, Niblet said that the guys at Beanstalk conducted a masterclass in damage control. Totally agree, dude. Mm -hmm. They were relentlessly talking. Um, but you can you can buy um, um, fractions of these apartment buildings and get a collection of rent every month as low as 50 bucks in the united states you have to kyc and dox yourself and the whole bit uh foreign you do not uh so i recorded a quick little screen grab uh just to show everybody let me uh pull up this video real quick uh some examples of some of the stuff on the platform um so you know the, the this is to me the kind of shit that you and i talk about all the time joe is you know these are look these are low income apartment buildings um they're not the prettiest or cleanest things in the world but they're not i, I did note that this particular one where i'm showing the screenshots was not section eight but for like 50 bucks you know you can um you can own a piece of an apartment building and ga gain six to eight percent i think was the range on rent every year plus the value of the property once it's sold because you own a fraction of, of that property. So total investment by the, in this one is $727,000 by the. Is that the whole building? That's yeah, the whole, whole apartment right? building. An entire apartment. Yeah, I was going to say, Detroit real estate, if that's where it is, or Flint yeah, or it's wherever. A, it's in that area of Michigan between Ann Arbor and Detroit. I was going to say, there aren't any condos going for seven hundred twenty. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. you can look at the like, look at this. So rent per token at the tokens, I think fifty bucks each is five. You're going to get five dollars a year from it. Yeah. Right? So ten percent expected income plus the increased valuation in the property over time. No, I like this. I mean, you guys know I was in that project seventeen years ago that was trying to like fractionalize buildings. You know, with you know, this is pre crypto, so right. it was right. with it was you know essentially participation rights instead of tokens. Um, and you know, you could go buy a piece of the Chrysler building for a dollar, you know, or something like that. And, and, and that's what people want because those deals to get into those, I mean, usually 
Now, there's minimums of like two and a half, five million, twenty five, fifty, because they just don't want to manage five thousand people. They exactly. want to manage manage three people exactly. and their expectations. So I, I like that stuff a lot. I think that it's a. I'm wondering though on the um, foreign participation because they they changed some laws recently on um, foreign investment in U.S. real estate, and I know that they basically eliminated the the, the blind LLCs. So, you know, you have to disclose, but I don't know how that affects, so, you know, retail. So I'd be curious was, to see how that works out. When I was looking at the website, there were deals that were specifically U.S. only. Okay. And, and then there were deals. So I'm assuming they're structuring it regulatory wise in some uh, interesting way. I have no idea specifically how they're, how they're doing that. I'm just trying to what find What was the name it. of it? It was Realty, right? Realty.co. R-E-A-L-T.co. I'm trying to find Gnosis on friggin' DeFi Llama and I can't find it. I don't know why. I want to um, see who the team is. And I think there was 60 million in this uh, protocol already uh, was the number, like 62 million or might have been 52 million. But you know, I love seeing this kind of, you know, we talk all the time about connecting to the real world. Uh, so I really love seeing um, uh, these connections happening. And to me, it's it's fantastic. Yeah, no, I'm, well, I'm sorry. I'm, I switched to another thing. Are we, I'm, you're talking about Gnosis now? All right. No, I was just looking at the management team of Realty. No, I'm I mean, talking about not, Realty. I'm talking okay. about, I'm talking about the fact that it's, you know, that this bridges the gap and that it's impressive that it's on Gnosis. Um, Gnosis, by the way, is a side chain. I, I didn't know specifically what it was, but that's actually what it is. So uh, Realty has 62.22 million TVL and it makes up, well, they don't include it. That's interestingly, they, they don't include it in the total um, because I have liquid staking turned off, but it, it's, um, you know, 62.22 million in TVL for that project. So the largest project on the Gnosis chain. Hmm. They got a pretty, you know, it looks like about 60 employees or so, you know, yeah. advisors. Yeah. It's know. very old school. Um, but um, like I said, I love seeing this shit. It's uh, yeah. No, the more, the merrier. I because look, if you real world connections, well, look, you take that token of this unit, let's say, um, and, you know, then you, somebody else has a platform where you can stake that for, you know, yield or something like that. Um, this, or you can lend those out or borrow against them. I mean, this is what we want. So that, again, if you own a house, you know, we talked about where you could fractionalize your own house. And then instead of, you know, going into the, the home equity market, you know, maybe you just move 5% off to someone or you sell 20% of the property to fractionalize interests, yep, you know, do it with NFTs or something. I mean, this is what's coming. And I think that space is, isn't it like $106 trillion or something like that? I mean, it's a giant. Gigantic. Stack. Gigantic. Yeah. No, this is um, to me very smart. Because cool. now the average person could come in for, you know, hundred bucks, yeah. 200 bucks, whatever. They, I love the fact that there's revenue. Right, you're going to get a cut of the revenue of the rent that comes in, and you get you know increase in valuation over time. Right, so you well, have a long term investment that can be flipped later, and you know. But also, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's other ones. There'll be more marquee buildings too. But look, you could be buying your grandkids, you know, a piece of the Chrysler building if you want. Right. Or you could, you know, hooking them up with marquee. Um, 
properties, you know, around the world as a diversified portfolio on top of whatever else you're doing. So you don't have to go buy them condos and stuff. You just build them a diversified portfolio of, of properties around the world. And, you know, you balance that and the real estate people know how to do that. And there's different, you know, yields in different markets and risk in different markets. And you just construct a balanced portfolio. That shit grows, man. People always have to have somewhere to live. Look, based in Boca. Oh, really? Shit. Yeah. It's interesting. Very interesting. I love it. I love it. Um, so uh, uh, my sister-in-law uh, has a... Uh, has some some funds tied mm -hmm. up in Celsius, um, and Celsius this week has been fighting in court to spend the money of the people uh, who had funds tied up. Now we've talked in the past. I'm all for incentivizing employees to stay. They've lost like 300 employees out of the 500 they had. Wait, let me make sure I say that right. Uh, I was trying to see how many left. I thought it was 500, and they're down to 170. Um, no, 370 to 170. So they've lost uh, 200 out of 370 employees. So I'm all for incentivizing and using some cash, even if it comes out of creditors' pockets, to pay to retain people. I think it's important. But the interesting thing is the way they're doing this, um, because the judge ordered them this week to return $44 million that was in their custody accounts. But they are um, claiming and filing that the rest of the money, uh, billions of dollars um, that they still have, um, it doesn't belong to uh, the people who had deposits because they deposited it into their earn account, which was their interest earning yielding thing um, that actually, I guess, got them in trouble. Um, and so they're basically saying it no longer belongs to users um, because um, under the terms of service, the, that became the company's funds to use as they saw fit. So uh, looking a little sketchy. We'll see what happens. Right now, they just want to spend some money to retain employees. And so hopefully that's the only thing that they're trying with this angle and this argument, and they'll start working out a way to pay back people. But in the meantime, uh, it looks kind of shitty. So, Well, so wait, but yeah, it's all going to revolve around contract language at that point. Of course. Um, yeah. So to me, I agree. It seems like, I mean, well, they're in bankruptcy court in Southern District of New York, if I remember. So, you know, they're not going to be able to skate away with any kind of, you know, there's no looting getting ready to go on here. Let me put it to you that way. Right, <laughs> it's not right. going to happen. Right. Um, but they probably need lawyer money and stuff, is my of guess. Course. But I don't see how you can legitimately, with a straight face, say, oh, they gave it to us. You know, it wasn't custody. Oh, it's ours now. I mean, that's just the sleaziest shit. I mean, I hear this in other cases in the past. Not crypto stuff, but, you know, hedge funds where, you know, somebody gave them, you know, 10 million worth of stock, you know, that then went down 90 percent. And so instead of returning the 10 million, they're trying to return the same stock that's gone down 90 percent and returning, you know, right. one million and saying, oh, no, we only owe you one. You know, when you don't, they owe 10, you know, so exactly. this shit goes on all the time. And, you know, judges sort this stuff out and opposing counsel cleans this up. So they're not going to be able to get away with anything. Okay. I'm sorry. Say yeah, they're trying to, they're trying to sell $18 million of stable coins so they can pay for the reorg. Um, so that I think they had to make that argument in order to 
be able to sell that, right? And I don't think it's been decided yet by the judge. So, but basically, it well, says Celsius say argued. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. It says uh, Celsius argues that users who deposited funds within its earned accounts gave up ownership when they agreed to the company's terms of service. So. Well, so it either says it or it doesn't, and they'll figure it yeah. out. But I don't mind the eighteen million. I don't really mind because they do have to maintain operations. Now, maybe they could do a the judge will say a promissory note or something, you know, where it's like a shareholder loan kind of thing. It's not going to the you know to the owners, but it's some way where there's a payback coming, and it just has to be certified because it is breaking, you know, the custody agreement <laughs> to uh, spend it. So, of course, but you know. I'm just glad they're in court yep, sorting it out. So we'll all know the truth eventually. Hey, so Sushi low, uh, launched their uh, streaming payment service um, called Furo. And um, it's uh, number one in payments TVL. Uh, already has 137.19 million uh, in TVL hmm. for amongst payment services. So uh, that's pretty impressive. Llama pays at 25.52 million. I didn't even know this category existed on DeFi Llama. Um, and um, so anyway. Are these, uh, are these streaming streaming payment? Are these streaming payment places? Or are these just, okay, got it. Streaming, streaming payments. So All impressive. Right. I love seeing it. That's pretty fast. Um, so uh, glad to hear it. Anything I think to help boost that protocol is a good thing. And um um, what's the token? What's the token looking like? There's today? no. Oh, what's Sushi doing? I don't know. Yeah, I'll, I'll look it up while you talk. Uh, I'm okay. I'm typing for the show notes. It looks like a buck eighteen, unless it a buck eleven. Okay. Anyway, there's a lot going on at Sushi right now. They're struggling. They're going to have a long runway, about a year and a half, and uh, so you know, glad to see some success. I want to see that project succeed. So. But I don't understand, though, when he says they have a one and a half year runway, I'd like to see the budget and I'd like to see what the revenue streams are coming in here and what the actual amounts are. Because if you're saying that you got X in there and it's going to fund for a year and a half, um, that doesn't seem to be talking about the revenue coming in or the profits coming in. A lot of times it's like they'll say that because the assumption is, OK, no revenue, no profits, no cash flow. This is how long we can last. I suspect if revenue and cash flow go up, that that runway will lengthen. Yeah, I think it's about current revenue averages. Um, mm -hmm. I'm not. I'm sure they've published it in their community forums. Um, yeah, I don't really he's follow basing it. All the, he's basing this governance vote that they're doing on keeping all the ex sushi for a year to re, you know, refurbish the treasury. So mm -hmm. I, I would assume they've disclosed the budget. From the, I know they've disclosed the. The, at least the salary parts because people were bitching and moaning about how much the developers were getting paid. Like what I'd really like to see, and they published this, which is what is the monthly revenue? Right. You know, what is the monthly you know operating margin? What is the monthly EBITDA? And I want to see trends. When did this Jared guy show up five months ago? What's yeah. happened in those five months? I don't or think three it's months? even been five months. I think Two it's or been three. a couple. Yeah. Two or three. Yeah. I'd want to see like, what it was before, what it is now, and where it's headed to, and, and make the case. Because, you know, if I there's no friggin' revenue there or no tremendous amount of cash flow, then what's the point? Yeah. There's 500 other things like this out there. 
Um, so again, we're fighting over a limited community. Every one, every Uniswap, Sushi Swap, you know, every DAX, all of them, you know, they're fighting for um, the same customers, basically, maybe chain specific, but the same amount, the same population. So you got to figure out which one you're going to bet on. Like, would you bet on Sushi Swap over, say, Cake? Mm. Or over, say, Kava? Uh, or Yeah, I don't know. I probably would. I probably wouldn't over cake, but I might over cop. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. but the point is, this is what we need more of. And I, I haven't looked at this stuff, so I'm not trying to trash Jared. I'm just saying that everybody should be putting out that type of material. Yeah, I think they put out a lot of details. Here's, I'll put this thread in the show notes oh, cool. uh, where he addresses everything. And then I think there's a ton in their governance. Uh, uh, I would just, area. I would just love to see financial statements. I mean, that's what everybody can understand. Yep. Um, so, uh, interesting competitor slash new project in DeFi called on chain or chain edge launched, uh, by an account called on chain wizard. And this is essentially a less, I guess, less a competitor to DeFi Llama right now, more competitor to Nansen and Masari, primarily Nansen, um, because there are a lot of people that trade by tracking, uh, the wallets of big investors, right? Mm -hmm. Well, this is a platform in its initial stage. And this is a really great thread that explains everything they have now versus everything they're going to build later. Um, but essentially it allows you to look at any chain and later you'll be able to search on wallets. You'll be able to search on projects, uh, any chain or any project and find out who the biggest investors are and then see what else those they're moving in and out of. And you'll be able to set alerts, et cetera, oh. et cetera. Right now it's, uh, uh, it's limited, but so I clicked on ApeCoin, and then I have to click on Boss with Big Balls .eth to see what uh, he's doing. So they've basically called the top wallets in all of DeFi, and now they're tracking them, and then you can work to mimic them. I'm assuming they'll set it up to automate. This guy is all uh, was all ApeCoin. He took uh, he removed two hundred eighty thousand five hundred eighty six in the last. 30 days uh, from ApeCoin. But, you know, it gives you, if, if you can come in here and build on this tool and find um, projects that are changing how they invest or, or big investors and changing how they invest or they invest in new projects and you think that might have value, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a cool concept and there are a lot of people that trade this way. So it's always good to see more competitors in the space, people doing new things. Anyway, it's a, uh, chainedge.io uh so far it's pretty rudimentary but it still looks like uh, a good play and i like seeing it so yeah i particularly like what you said uh, i mean maybe other people do this but i was just looking at like umami because we were talking about that and it and it just shows you everything that's going on there i mean as far yeah. as who's doing what wallet's doing what and i don't know has anybody because look wallet behavior like you said is something that a, a lot of people track but I haven't seen it yep. organized like this where, you know, the display of that information to where it's, I mean, is somebody else doing it similar? This is the first time I've kind of Nansen really seen it. Nansen like does this. it. Nansen does it. Um, it. They have kind of a different approach to it, but yeah. Nansen is far more advanced right now. I mean, Nansen has been doing this for years, right? And they built the original open source project that, that started tracking wallet usage. So Nansen does it. Nansen also does it for NFTs. It's a much better interface, et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> right now, though, this one is free. Nansen charges big money 
uh, every month to be able yeah. to see this kind of data. So um, good to see. He said they will have a premium product later. Um, but anyway, I love seeing competitors in the space. I think it keeps everybody on their toes and uh, I'm going to use it while it's free. That's for sure. So, yeah, absolutely. Super cool. Uh, Tuncoin is still, uh, still driving, dude. Look at that. Uh, yeah. Three months. I know. When I looked at my prices this morning, and I was like, oh shit, tons at 209. Yeah. Um, not as in shit like, as in shit like, god damn it, I should have bought that shit a long time ago. But I think that all the points that we even brought up in the show, I think last week or the week before, um, all hold here. You know, everybody tries to raise money to build community. This guy's already have the massive community. Massive. Um, you know, think about like the Cardano's and Stellar's and Tron's. When they did these $4 billion ICOs or billion dollar ICOs to go out and build community. And, yep. you know, they don't have any products, so they have very little. What I like about this is that all of those things are already there. And, exactly. you know, and again, we talk about Durov and his skills and his team and why this makes so much sense. Um, you know, I mean, even if it's not the U.S., for whatever reason, this is a preferred plot. Telegram's a preferred platform for most of the world yep. um, for that type of for, for communications, particularly in all these countries that have, you know, over, let's just put it, um, you know, big dragnet nets of uh, surveillance, you know, they're just rolling everybody up at once. Exactly. Not like refining it down to get like the one person, um, you know, you need it. So, you know, look about a threat to Facebook even with all yep. the Facebook commerce out there. I mean, this is one to, I mean, I don't own any of it, but I'm definitely looking at it thinking, you know, this is not one that, I mean, this could rocket basically in my mind, you know, it could blow up like we saw the blow ups last year and stuff. Um, yep. Was it last year? Yeah. Last year. And, but you know, again, caution yep. and you're playing for a longer game here. I think, I think you have to look at this as like, where can they, if they execute, where will they be in three years? Exactly. I mean, to me, when I looked at Binance and I realized they'd only been around five years, you know, I was like, really? Only five? God, I thought they'd been around for years before we started using them in like 17. But you think about where could this be in five years? That's right. You know, I mean, can exchanges be sitting in here? You know, can can AMMs be sitting in here? Yes, they can. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, so, so I'm really thinking about this. When I get a hit somewhere else, I'm going to start maybe taking some of this, but, um, you know, I'm kind of like been looking at a lot of decimal points with three zeros to the right and then a bunch of numbers. So when I see like 2.07, like, it's one of those ones where I'm like, oh, okay. Got to well, think it through. Uh, and look, I want to see a lot more DeFi on the platform, but from a yep. payment perspective, tons of potential, just tons of fucking yeah. um, influencer communities, creators, all can use it, use tokens, build on Instagram. I mean, it yeah. just, it just makes uh, so much sense. Shizzy, don't forget though. Shizzy said he's concerned about the tokenomics, um, and, and and I can't remember what that concern was. No, I'll tell you. It's that they've only issued ten percent of the circulating supply, and ah. you know that's the red flag when we looked at Cardano's and Stellar's and all those guys Trons in the past. I mean, I think the debate here is that you know those guys were all going to use it to build something, you know, product yeah. and. And, and network. To me, I'm thinking that those tokens, my guess, and I don't know, but I'm thinking there's somehow like a consumption type token on the platform. 
I don't think that they're going to be used for like token generating events. I think that you're going to go and maybe use them to, you know, set up your business account there or something like that. Um, yeah, maybe. So I don't know if it, I don't know if it's going to really dilute like the other ones, but I have no insight. So, I mean, I haven't, I remember I read the original white paper, the pulled one like five years ago. I think I still have it somewhere, but I haven't seen like the revised stuff on strategy and everything like that. So I need to know a little bit more about that, but you know, I'm sure we can figure that out all of us in the next couple of weeks, you know, what their plan is there. And then, you know, if it's stupid, you know, we'll call them out for it. Absolutely. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to stop talking while you're eating. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. (laughs) Yeah. No, I, it's, um, she says no (laughs) supply. The total supply is like 1.1 billion and the amount in circulation is 1.5 billion. So he's saying that because there's no max supply, obviously, you know, yeah. they could just keep printing out of fucking thin air. I don't know what the mechanisms are for fermenting though. So I have no idea. We should look close, more closely at this. Maybe we can get somebody on for yeah. from Ton. I'll reach yeah, out. I'm trying to think. Yeah. You see if you can find somebody. Cause yeah, I didn't actually, I didn't notice that it was infinity on max supply. But, you know, again, how is it being used? That's what we have to really figure out. Um, because, you know, when Stellar and Tron and Cardano did those, you know, it was an investment. People were buying them to fill up their treasury so they had working capital to go execute on their vision. Most of this vision is already built, um, yeah. you know, that level. And so to me, I think it has to be then a commerce token or maybe like a utility type token or something to that effect. Um, but let's all explore and, and figure this out. And, and look, you know, uh, Ethereum has that infinite supply as well. It's just they've now built in the mechanisms to to uh, poten- have the potential to be deflationary. So let's see what let's see what they do to adjust. But I haven't taken a deep enough dive into the community of the documents to say, yeah, I know, no, yeah. So, um, uh, Joe, I got a hard stop at one, uh, actually four minutes. Um, but I want to bring up oh, one shit. more. Uh, chain that is uh, performing very well, especially over the last uh, 30 days, up uh, 47.86%. And that's Algoric, which we've actually, um, Agoric, that we've looked at before. Uh, their token is BLD, BLD, and um, have had a nice massive climb over the last 30 days, doing really well. I went back because I couldn't remember what the hell they did. Um, it is a JavaScript-based blockchain that has built-in escrow oh. on every transaction. So if a smart contract is uh, malicious or buggy, um, your money is locked in an escrow contract and you can get it back uh, um, on the transactions. But it's a highly secure subset of JavaScript, really impressive. Um, and then when you look here, um, if you, now look, I mean, investors are not... Uh, I haven't been guilty of a lot of due diligence, but when somebody like Kobe uh, is, I'm sorry, that's a follower, but when somebody like Polychain Capital um, is a big investor in it and all of these other big names in the space are investors in the chain, uh, I need to go back and see what they raised, but I'm assuming it was a sizable chunk of cash. And um, I love the fact that they know how to do their fucking marketing. Their their Mm -hmm. first... Their first approach is not come use, come become a consumer here. It is build fast, earn fast, going straight for the fucking developers. And then throughout their website, they talk about 
um, security. It's hard in JavaScript. It's easy to deploy. It's not hard to find developers. You'll be able to build faster. They provide a library of modules. Everything is focused around developer recruitment, developer recruitment, developer recruitment. And to me, that's exactly where they need to be right now because they're brand new. But um, absolutely uh, love everything about the messaging and the strategy here. I love what the project's doing. I love the idea of being able to tap into JavaScript developers around the world. Um, it's probably the second largest population of mm -hmm. developers next to Python. Um, and they're sure as hell doing a better job than Algorand at uh, recruitment and um, strategy. So uh, I want to take a deeper dive into this one. I started reading the documents to understand how um, all of the safety mechanisms work in the escrow. I'm also taking a look at the uh, modules that they, they give to developers to start creating right away. But Really, really like where this thing is uh, going. So, anyway. Yeah, that looks really cool. What were we talking about? The pools of Java developers. It was a project. What were we doing? When we were talking about Java developers. Well, we were. Well, we were or maybe that was somebody else. Script. Yeah, maybe Java that was somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I was talking. Maybe that was the Macromedia guys. Um, but yeah, it's that those Java people. There's so many. And, yeah. you know, when you're looking at the cost of Solidity devs and stuff like that, you know, that's yep. a very untapped market. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, some stuff would have to be tweaked there and you're not, you know, you're not getting the Solidity developer. But if you don't need it, <laughs> then why not? And it brings more exactly. people into the space, more crypto enthusiasts. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, Nibbles brought up a good point, too, on that max token supply argument. And he's right. It, it is just really, you know, dividing tokens continuously no matter what so it, it really doesn't matter at this point yeah um yeah totally agree. you know like the yeah so i wasn't really thinking of it that way i'm, I'm always thinking of it from an equity standpoint like shares because to me tokens are i mean i hate to say it but um not financial advice but to me i at least they mimic stock behavior <laughs> you know right, um exactly not necessarily in the attachment to dividends but in a lot of the other areas so um, I always kind of think it's going to get to that level of share in a platform. Um, but yeah. who knows? Who knows? But anyhow, I know you got to go, buddy. So. Hey, yep. everybody, thanks so much for joining us today. Niblet, Susie, and James, thanks for participating in the conversation. We appreciate you and love you. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. By the way, you can now watch the videos on Spotify or listen to the audio, not while you're driving, please. And... Um, if you're on YouTube, subscribe, click the little bell so you get alerted. And please, uh, what do they say? Smash the thumbs up so that uh, yep. we get boosted in the algorithm. Joe, hope you had a lovely weekend. Hope you have a great day. I'll catch up with you a little bit later. Everybody else, thank you and adios. Yeah, thanks, everyone. Likewise, see you guys tomorrow. Thanks, Brad. Glad you're back. See you, buddy. All right, bye. Bye-bye.